When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott Benjamin. And I'm Ben Bolin. And today we've got a topic that uh, has kind of been hanging around on our list for a while that we've wanted to get to, but we just haven't gotten to it until today. But I'm excited about talking about it now because I think there's a lot of ground to cover here. Yeah, and we finally tracked down the right time to do it. <laughs> very, very good, Ben. We've, uh, we're going to talk about what? We're going to talk about tracking and recovery systems for your vehicle. Yeah, and the uh, the pros, the cons, kind of uh, you know the the different systems available, whether they're expensive, they're inexpensive, uh, some of the in between, some of the things they're good for, some mm-hmm. common sense tips. Yeah, vehicle theft numbers. I want to talk about um, some 2012 statistics that have come out have come out from the uh, FBI that I'd like to talk about, and I think that's something that our listeners will be interested in because mm-hmm. there's some uh, some switches and trends that have been happening over the last eight years that, um, you know, 2012 has proven to be kind of an unusual year in car theft. Yeah, it might surprise a lot of people. Now, uh, as we go through this, of course, you know, at this point, Scott, you and I always have a couple of other podcasts that we can reference to in our back catalog. Always. So we have some good stuff about car thefts, uh, especially about chop shops that you can check out if you want more statistics uh, but we do have some numbers that come to bear here. So let's just start at the beginning. The, uh, the truth of the matter is, as we know, cars get stolen. I don't want to say all the time. Uh, how about every 44 seconds? That's about right. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's an amazing statistic that came out of something. I think it was like in 2011. I think this, mm-hmm. this FBI stat came out that, Something like every 44 seconds, a vehicle is reported stolen. In the United States alone. Just in the United States. That's just in the United States. So a huge number of cars are stolen. And, I mean, it amounts to like, it's over 700,000 cars that are that are stolen yearly, yearly, mm-hmm. which is a, a huge number. But it's not the top number. And we'll tell you the top number later when we get up to the 2012 statistics. But uh, it's something, that the, the amount equals something like $4.3 billion in in property theft uh, I guess the total amount of vehicles mm-hmm. that are stolen in the year amount to $4.3 billion. Yeah, and one of the best ways or one of the most uh, recently popular ways to recover a stolen vehicle nowadays for drivers has been the GPS system or uh, global positioning uh, systems that are used to – is it redundant to say GPS system? It is. It's like saying ATM machine. It is. It's okay. We'll let it slide, Ben. All right. Just this once. A global positioning system uh, used to track your car can make the difference between having it reappear a few days later and never seeing it again. Exactly. And some of them don't use GPS. Some of them use cellular technology. Mm-hmm. And some use radio signals. And there's other devices as well. But, um, you know, we mentioned that some are affordable, some are expensive. Now, the GPS and cellular technology that you talked about, those are good after your vehicle's been stolen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're able to track the device or the uh, the vehicle later, which doesn't surprise anybody, I'm sure. Same sure. thing with the radio signal, you know, like the homing device systems, which we'll talk about. Uh, those are good after your car is stolen. But there's a couple of things you can do ahead of time, Ben, 
in order to prevent your car from being stolen. And I want to talk about those as well. I don't know if this is a good fit for it right now, or do you want to hang on to that for a Let's moment? Let's go into it right now. Let's do it before the car is stolen. All right. So, okay, we've got a, there's actually four different levels of protection that you've got as far as uh, like protecting your vehicle, preventing the theft, theft from ever happening. Mm-hmm. And uh, immobilizers, which you would think would be number one, you know, something that is like a kill switch or something that prevents the car from even being stolen. Yeah. That's actually the third thing on the list. So there's, uh, there's oh, two okay. others prior to that that you can do. Now, this this information is coming from a uh, a division or a group, rather, that is called the National Insurance Crime Bureau, or, or NICB. And what that is is it's a North American nonprofit membership organization mm-hmm. in Illinois. It was created by the insurance industry, and they work with law enforcement agencies, and they, they address insurance-related crime and issues like that. So this is a very focused group on 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 theft and insurance fraud and mm-hmm. you know property crimes i guess and of course you know auto theft is is a huge factor in in what they do right and they have some great numbers for anyone interested in those databases because essentially what they're doing is they're they're liaising between law enforcement and private insurance companies to compile the most accurate numbers they get why is that important well it's important because not to cast a dispersion on anybody, but Scott, there's some people who will call their insurance company to report something, but maybe not the cops. Exactly. Yeah. So this is a, a, a great, I, I guess a great division. I don't know if I want to call it a division or just a group or a, uh, an organization. Organization. Maybe that's the best way to say it that, that kind of covers all the bases and they've got kind of their eyes open for this type of thing to happen. Exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So let's get back to the, uh, oh, and you know what? The 2012 theft numbers that I'm going to give you later in the podcast. Yeah. Those are coming directly from the NICB. So, you know, that, that's a great source right there. Uh, let's get back into the four layers of protection. The first one, you know, we mentioned immobilizers that were later in the list, but mm-hmm. the first one is common sense and obviously well not a lot of people have common sense right? when it comes to their their car and car you know car safety and preventing theft isn't that weird that it's called common sense but it's it's often rare so common sense would just be the most basic stuff take whatever you were thinking was basic and make it more basic than that people were talking about stuff like not leaving your car running with the windows down that's exactly what they say ben they say lock your car and take your keys it's the, it's the most simple advice you can possibly give somebody but a lot of thefts occur when owners make it really really simple for thieves to get in and take their car like they just leave the keys you know laying on the passenger seat maybe right like i'm just going to go in and get my receipt for the gas or i'm just going to run in for a moment oh and this is a small town Nothing that, ever goes wrong. That happens all the time. In fact, we had a listener recently that sent in some photos of a car. That was an unusual car that was in the parking lot. And he mentioned, you know, by the way, you know, this is an interesting car, but by the way, the keys were in the ignition when I looked at it. It was, yeah. you know, parked at a Walmart somewhere or something like that. I forget where it was. Um, okay, number two, a warning device. And I'm talking about like a visible or an audible warning device that, you know, just kind of you know, if you walk up to a vehicle, you approach a vehicle, and it says, you know, uh, system activated, you know, whatever. There's those type of uh, devices. Step away from the car. Exactly. That type of thing, Ben. So if there's that, or there's, you know, even just a flashing LED on the dash. Mm-hmm. You know, something that indicates that there's an alarm there. Something that, you know, that says that this car is protected in some way. And uh, that does a lot to deter theft. Now, the third one we mentioned, immobilizing devices, and that's, I guess that's, a pretty simple, you know, idea that if your car can't be started, typically it can't be stolen, right? Right. It bricks your car. Uh, you know, you hear sometimes that terminology used with video game devices or with a phone. Like, mm-hmm. I've bricked my phone because I tried to do some hacking stuff to it. So if someone tries to steal your car, an immobilization device will either not let it start or in some cases it can be remotely stopped. Correct. Yeah, and you know what we're we're talking really mostly about uh things like immobilizer keys and, and ignition yeah. systems that mm-hmm. don't allow the vehicle to start unless the the proper key is used, the one with like the chip in it. Right, the microchip. Like exactly. even uh my my car has one of those chip keys. Exactly. Mine does too and it's an older car but it still has one of those you know you have to have the proper key in order to start it. But we're also thinking about things like kill switches and fuel cutoff switches that people don't know about. You know, a lot of people used to install um you know a toggle switch that would shut off the fuel pump. 
And that was a, a simple deterrent or a kill switch. I know I had friends that had cars in high school that had kill switches where, you know, you can, after a while you can tell where the kill switch is if it's in the bad spot. But, right. um, you know, it's a switch under the, underneath the carpet that you would press with your heel. And that would, again, that would, same thing. It would, you know, allow the fuel pump to operate mm-hmm. again. It's just an electrical on off switch. And after a while, you know, that spot in the carpet becomes worn and you can spot where that <laughs> is. But, right. Yeah. But, you know, for a while, I guess that really works well. And if you didn't know that it was there, you probably wouldn't, you know, think to activate something like that if you're trying to steal a car. And you're probably not going to have the time to look for it. Exactly. And the fourth layer of protection, Ben, is uh, is finally we're getting to what we're talking about today, a tracking device. Mm-hmm. Now, this is what we'll cover in this whole podcast, but I wanted to point out that, you know, the, the uh, this NICB, this organization has said that, you know, up to, you know, up to the fourth point, we're not even talking about tracking devices. Right. Tracking devices are kind of the last line of defense. And that's, that's after something's already gone wrong. After your car's already been stolen, that's when a tracking device comes into effect. And that's what we'll talk about now. Yes. So, uh, tracking device, as we're talking, uh, is really, I, I love that you say it's the last line of defense because when a tracking device comes into play is post-crime or in the course of the crime, where's my car? Call 911. Uh, do you have a tracking device? Do you have a service perhaps like OnStar or BMW Assist or something? And what we'd like to do is talk about some of the pros and cons as, as you mentioned, um, one of the, one of the big, biggest pro, the absolute biggest pro is that you can know where your car is because while it is true that cars without tracking devices are rediscovered, uh, every every minute that passes after the car is MIA just drastically increases the chance that you will either never recover the car or you will not recover it in a drivable condition. Yeah, the the, uh, the range or the zone that that vehicle could currently be in is constantly getting larger and larger and larger. Think about it as a uh, as almost like a map where you know you're at the the center of the map and then that that circle that goes around you know it just kind of grows and grows and grows every minute. It can be farther and farther away. Now it, it may stay in place, it may stay local, sure, but you never know that really. And that's the maddening part about the whole thing. Ben, I'm going to take a little sidebar here. Have you ever had a car stolen? I have never had a car stolen. Yeah, I I also have never had a car stolen. I've had things, you know, smaller items like you know a bicycle and things mm-hmm. like that. And I wish that I had something that I could track where it went. Or you know, you have your suspicions, you know, the uh, the shady guy in the neighborhood that you know you don't <laughs> quite trust. You know, right? But you know, I don't know the uh, the the tracking thing on cars. I've I've never really had anything additional other than you know mobilizing devices or just mm-hmm. you know like well common sense I guess is one that I've used and mm-hmm. you know, the warning devices. Sure, there's an LED on my car that flashes when the the alarm is activated, just a, a simple alarm. It's not a, a tracking aftermarket type device. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've never really had any kind of need for one, I don't think. I mean, that's what you always think, though, until your car's stolen. Right? You know what my key is, right? I, uh, I always drive an ugly car. And I try to park next to more attractive cars. <laughs> that's a that's a pretty good tactic, Ben. You know, you're going to find out later, though. Maybe that's not the best tactic because uh, they're not always after the newest, shiniest, best cars, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm I mean, set, I, setting this one up. I really, I promise you, we'll get to that. But that's uh, that's kind of a little interesting fact that's going to come out of uh, out of the 2012 information. Yes. So let's get into the tracking devices. How about that? Great. Okay. So if you, uh, you know, odds are statistically. If you were listening to this podcast, you were already intimately acquainted with at least one tracking device, and that would be your smartphone. That's right? true. Yeah, so sure. uh, for anyone who's ever had a, a cell phone of some sort stolen, uh, it is possible to track that with apps like Mobile Me or something for Apple users. Uh, but the... The uh, technology there is similar, at least for GPS devices. So uh, the way that these work often require a service fee. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes that service fee can be pretty expensive. Now, a lot of them are, are built in. We'll talk about maybe – let's talk about this. We'll talk about the affordable systems as, according to our article because we have an article on HowStuffWorks.com that's called, Is a Tracking and Recovery System for Your Car Worth the Cost? Mm-hmm. And uh, where we kind of decide whether or not the price point is worth it for your particular vehicle. Now, that's an, entirely up to you, really. I mean, you could put it yeah. on a $500 car if you wanted to. 
I don't know if you necessarily should or not. I mean, it, I guess uh, it's kind of all in the eye of the beholder, whether it's worth yeah. it or not, right? Uh, yeah, that's a good point, Scott. There's also a bit of a cost of ownership calculation here that we can talk about. You know, in what ways does this reduce your cost or your risk? Uh, in, and how much would it cost over time? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we'll start with the affordable system. Yeah, so let's, let's start. Let's start with, uh, we'll start with OnStar. And okay. OnStar is pre-installed in General Motors vehicles. Not every GM vehicle, but most GM vehicles. Yeah, at this more point. than more than. Actually, now it's it was in 2009. It was more than 30, but now it's uh, the vast majority of the vehicles. Yeah, it's the it's, new ones. It's definitely gone up, and uh, there's a good reason for that. I mean, it's being used more and more, and people really like the features and convenience and everything that goes along with it. And it's pre-installed, which is nice, so that you know everything is uh, you know the fit and finish is really nice. You don't have to worry about an aftermarket system mm-hmm. that, that comes in and you know kind of messes things up. Not that that's the case, as we'll talk about, but um, OnStar is about I think it's 199 dollars a year. And right. that's for the, uh, like the full service. That means that, you know, after you get it past your initial, you know, like, why don't you try this? Take, take the puppy home and see if you like it. Yeah. Your free trial month or exactly. whatever. Exactly. Yeah. That, that, uh, that kind of honeymoon period where you decide that you really like it. And, uh, then we're going to, we're going to hit you with a, a pretty sizable bill, $199 a year mm-hmm. to have this going now. But there's a lot of good features that come along with this. Of course, you know, it uses GPS. Sure. Um, and there's all the uh, the hands-free calling and emergency assistance. They and, can remotely unlock your vehicle if you lock your keys yeah, in. And they can remotely shut it down if someone has stolen it, which is a huge one, right? Which is, which is we will find, one of the premium superpowers of these sorts of devices. Now, OnStar is a hybrid because it is both uh, proprietary software and proprietary hardware. Uh, so it's if we imagine that there were maybe... Uh, several different types of GPS devices, uh, then OnStar in, uh, OnStar is a hardwired tracker because this, uh, this comes in the car, it uses the car's battery for power, which is important, right? An important differentiation, and it can do multiple tasks. This is as opposed to, uh, something like, uh, a data logging device, which would just be able to tell you in retrospect where your car has been. So it would say it would report what happened to your car rather than reporting in real time what is what is happening to your car. Right. Yeah. And uh an OnStar of course does log your data too for the paranoid among us. Ah, Ben, you know what? You you had to say it, right? Because <laughs> there's a, there's been some discussion. You've got another podcast that you do. Right, yeah. And there's a lot of discussion about the black box and what the black box contains and mm-hmm. you know how it's tracking you and recording everything you're doing, right? Yeah. This is uh this is fringing on that, right? Right, yeah. This is this is fringing on it. It is for it is however for your security and could it, could I take a sidebar briefly? Of course you can. All right, thanks, Scott. Uh one thing that can be I don't want to say irritating, but one thing that can give you and I a chuckle is if we receive emails about how un, uh, how insidious it is for there to be tracking devices on cars, right? Uh, I, I can't help but laugh a little bit when I receive an email about the, the worries about these tracking devices, right? Which are valid. I will say they are valid concerns. And then at the very bottom of the email, Scott, there's this little line after the signature that says sent from my iPhone. Ah, uh, yes, yes. So uh, apparently tracking isn't all that much of a concern, really. If they're, I mean, they're not applying that to every aspect of their life, right? Yeah, it's a little bit of a selective concern. That's that's the end of the sidebar. The, the truth of the matter is that, yeah, while there are privacy concerns um, at this point, for these tracking and recovery systems, uh, these are opt-in devices. Now, uh, Scott, you and I have an entirely different episode just on the black box car uh, debate. And one of the spoilers that you and I need to reiterate is that black boxes are already on most cars. Well, sure they are. And they're used for, uh, and I'll, I'll call it forensic Data gathering, I guess. Yeah, yeah, they're not they're not used for uh, Uncle Sam to to figure out when you go to Publix or the AMP. No, and I mean, could they be? Maybe I don't know, but why would anybody really care? I mean, that's the the thing that this comes down to is like I don't know. You've I always think about this like why would anybody really care if I'm headed to Kroger to uh, buy some groceries and then to the gas station and then back home? Why why would anybody really be concerned about watching me do just these these mundane ordinary things? 
typically. I mm-hmm. mean, I guess, you know, if, if there's some kind of suspicion that's, that's roused for whatever reason, they, there are many other ways that are much better to track somebody, uh, you know, attaching a GPS device to the car, you know, sure. that, uh, that lays it right out on a map mm-hmm. in front of them and, you know, all kinds of different better ways to do it. These black boxes that we're talking about, they record, you know, the, the last known data that the vehicle was producing pr- prior to accidents. Right. And so, helps in investigations, yeah. right? Yeah. So this is much more, that kind of data being recorded is much more what we would call internal data. So what is the engine's operating temperature, for instance? What uh, What's on the odometer when the accident occurs? Stuff like that. Yeah, whether you jammed on the brakes, you know, you know one second prior to it mm-hmm. happening or if you didn't touch the brakes at all. Or if you were wearing a seatbelt. So watch out for that one. Exactly. Yeah, there's all kinds of different stuff like that. That uh, You know, whether the airbag's deployed mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever. There's a lot of different information that comes and, out of that. And those are, those are very different than what we're talking about now, at least – at the at the current stage, and and you know Scott, maybe in the future we can talk about that debate that popped up about using the next generation of black boxes to tax people by the mile. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's a uh, a proposal for that to happen, but yeah, we'll I don't see. know if it'll come about. But you know, this this stuff is different. Can I can I just say that you know uh, OnStar and GM they're not the only game in town. I mean, there's also BMW who's doing this. Yes, yeah, BMW Assist is a similar service that offers. A lot of the same uh, abilities, you know, you can you can figure out uh, where your car has been. You can also get uh, get it immobilized, I believe, if it's stolen. Yeah, there's all kinds of different things that this will do. It's, it's pretty much the same thing as OnStar, basically. I mean, no, there's, no, there's going to be different little variances here and there, differences in, in the system. It's still the same price. It's the exact same price per year. It's it's one ninety nine per year, and uh, you know this is something that's also pre installed at the factory, so mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about you know the placement of it or anything like that, and uh, you know integration into your system. And it's available on uh, I think it's two thousand seven and and later BMW mm-hmm. models that are equipped with it. It's not every BMW model. I don't believe. Right, not yet at least. And uh, these aren't the only game in town. There are other manufacturers that provide pre-installs. That's right. Uh, But then there's also the idea of saying, hey, you know, hey, Scott and Ben, I have, let's say I have a car that is that is older than than these systems, you know, from the 80s, maybe you've got a mid 80s vehicle Mm -hmm. and you still want it to uh, have a tracking device then you can get a portable tracker, battery-powered. You know, when we say battery, in this case, we don't mean the car battery. Or you could get something that you plug in uh, to your car. So you plug it into the OBD II connector, and then you have the uh, car battery itself powering it. You get an aftermarket device. Sure, yeah. It plugs into that uh, OBD II connector at the bottom of the dash, right below the uh, steering wheel. And it's uh, kind of like, have you seen those uh, tracking keys? Or tra- not tracking keys, I'm going to say that. The uh, the insurance key, maybe it is a tracking key. Yeah, 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 that insurance companies give you an option to use these devices for a lower, an opportunity rather, for a lower premium. Yeah. And if you prove that you're a safe driver... Then you get a couple bucks off. So again, that's monitoring what you're doing. We've talked about that system too, and this is the same type of thing. I mean, I'm not sure if this one particularly, but uh, there's a company called Zoombox that makes one uh, that is just about a hundred bucks, you know, brand new, and you have that installed. For the device, exactly. And uh, there's a service fee of about one hundred and fifty dollars. And so it's a little bit cheaper than than you know the the OnStar system or the BMW Assist system, um, but this Zoombox system is you know well it's it's an aftermarket thing. It's kind of you can do this optional lifetime setup, you know, where it's ah, only four yeah. four hundred bucks, I guess maybe. But and that may be best for somebody who doesn't want to blow a whole lot of money on it because the whole thing involved then would be. $500 total, yeah. and you'd be able to protect, let's say, a classic car or a car mm-hmm. that you just keep in the garage and drive on weekends, something like that. And this also, we should mention, it doesn't come with all of the bells and whistles that BMW's Assist, OnStar, or similar programs would come with. Uh, you don't get the emergency assistance, for instance. Yeah. Exactly, and the hands-free cellular calling and all that. You know, none of that comes with it because, again, the, the OnStar system and the assist system from BMW, those are integrated. They're all built in the car. Everything works seamlessly together. It's a little different when you're adding something into a system. You know, there are great features to them, and they do the job well. It's just that, you know, they, they're not 
quite as seamlessly integrated into everything the way the other ones are. And there's one other one that we want to mention here first before we get into kind of the expensive alternatives. Ah, uh, yes. Um, there's one called the uh, the Car Shield. Mm-hmm. And it sells for about $349, and that's $160 a year. So you can see that, you know, it's still a pretty good investment, I guess. I mean, it's we're talking about the affordable systems right now. And those are those yeah, are keep that in mind. Yeah, I mean, it's all in how you look at it, though. I mean, you keep these yearly contracts up, and they get to be quite expensive as well. Now, I like that the uh, Zoombox system or Zoomback, um, you know, sells for one hundred, and you can have this option for the four hundred dollars lifetime service, which is kind of nice. Yeah, I think that would be worth it. Again, going back to the vehicle you have and the value that you personally. Assigned to that vehicle. Also, for instance, with, uh, with Car Shield, uh, you do get some more stuff than you would get with Zumbach. You get some of the services that these proprietary manufacturer direct companies will sell. So you would have, uh, you would have, for instance, some of the concierge services of OnStar. That's what I would call them. But also, yeah, man, of course, uh, Four hundred dollars, five hundred and fifty for Zumbot total or whatever. It's it's a lot of money, but isn't it less than having to pay you know twenty five thousand dollars for a stolen car? Sure, to replace your car. I mean that's that's this uh, this cost benefit analysis thing you have to do in order to determine whether or not the system is worth is worth it for you or is worth it for your particular vehicle. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I mean, some of these systems like that car shield system, I think it even provides vehicle diagnostic information, so it it, it provides some great information. Mm-hmm. You know, you can you can get some great stuff out of it if you like to. If you really want to, you know, fully I'll say exploit the system and use every feature and option that they have. You know, fantastic. It'll have a lot of really good stuff for you and stuff that, you know, you may not have really thought that you wanted, but, you know, it's kind of neat to be able to access yeah. some diagnostic information on a much older car, you know, that you thought, well, I had to, you think you would have to buy a brand new GM product or a BMW product to get that type of, or that level of service. Yeah. And you can also use that, for instance, to tune your vehicle. That's a pretty cool thing to think about. That is really a cool thing. Yeah. So, you know, we've got, we've gotten through kind of the affordable systems and I do want to talk about the, um, the more expensive alternative, I guess. But first, Ben. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together. We'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. What better way to continue our conversation about some of the higher-end detection and tracking devices, yeah. the and creme de la creme, there, if you will. There is one that stands out, Ben, and it's uh, it made kind of the, the top on this on this list on our on our site, right? Can I say it before we go before we go any further? Um, I remember watching these commercials and the idea of the technology. I'm going to date myself a little bit here, probably both of us. The idea of the technology was space age to me. Definitely. It was like uh, Jetson's technology, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it was really cool. And uh, do you want to tell us what's, what the system is? Sure. We are talking about LoJack. Yeah, that's right. And it's a, it can be an expensive system. I mean, I guess we should just come right out with the cost, right? Yeah. It's, uh, the system is $695. However... And this is the uh, the great part about this, really. $695, but there's no monthly fees at all. It's a one-time purchase price. And it sounds like I'm you know, in a commercial for this thing, but I'm not. I'm just going to tell you some of the, the benefits and some of the, uh, I don't know, is there a downside to this, maybe? Well, uh, other than other, the cost, maybe. Yeah, well, there is another downside, um, which we, we can get to later. Uh, okay. But let's start, let's sing the praises. Sure. So $695, which is uh, quite a bit more than any of the other systems. Now, I don't know what an OnStar system would cost to add to a GM vehicle, but I I would bet that it's somewhere, you know, it's probably even more than $695. So. Right, because the OnStar hardware itself is bundled into the initial cost of the vehicle. And not only that, you've got a, you know, a nearly $200 monthly fee, which you don't have to pay for for Lojack. So right. Lojack is uh, kind of a, uh, it's a good option for somebody that doesn't have another system that's already doing the same type of thing. Like if you already have, you know, OnStar, there's no need to add Lojack to it. You could yeah. because it operates in a different manner. That's true, and I'm really glad you said that. One of the reasons that LoJack is pricier is because uh, it doesn't use the same technology. In fact, it uses technology that predates the kind of technology powering OnStar. LoJack operates by radio. Yeah, radio signal versus GPS. So, you know, where the, the GM system, the OnStar system, and the BMW system, those are GPS-based systems. Uh, this uses a radio signal, and the, the benefit of that is that it works underground or in parking decks or yeah. anything like that. Because a, a common tactic by tactic by thieves is to take the vehicle underground into a, a parking deck or you know below a bridge or something like that, where the signal is blocked from reaching you know the satellite, and the signal is then shut off, and they're unable to track the car, unable to see where it went. They can guess where it went, you know, the last known. Um, you know, location, I guess, where it was seen or spotted or, or detected. But you don't know for sure whether or not they've taken it under there, deactivated the system, and then driven it away. Right. So, you know, with the, with LoJack system, the radio signal continues to work even underground. So it's a very strong signal and, and it's easy for law enforcement to track. Right. And it's tied to the specific vehicle itself. So each LoJack system is linked to the VIN of the vehicle and, uh, it's, when the car is reported stolen, when the police are typing in the VIN number, it triggers the LoJack. Exactly. So, you know, it's reported stolen. The state police crime computer system activates the activates the LoJack system just simply by saying that it's a stolen vehicle. And it, and it immediately fires up. And you may think, well, you know, what's going to stop somebody from just... You know, cutting the wires and you know taking the taking the unit out of the car. Well, there's they've really really thought about this. Well, they they hide the system. The the uh, it's randomly hidden in one of 20 locations in the vehicle. They've got about 20 different spots on vehicles mm-hmm. that they typically like to put these things, and it could be in any one of those 20 spots. Yeah, because it's not it's not a big unit. And no, no. Uh, this is this is another startling thing about LoJack. They've got some great stats on their side. They have, for instance, uh. Around a 90% recovery rate. Yeah, that's really, really good. I mean, other systems I don't think have anywhere near that. I mean, most, uh, most vehicles, as a matter of fact, are returned within 24 hours if you use the LoJack system. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's according to, you know, what they say. They claim that. Um, but, you know, that's cars, trucks, SUVs, uh, classic cars, of course, construction equipment, you know, mm-hmm. fleet vehicles. Um, I'm not so sure about motorcycles. I'm, I'm kind of questioning, the low jack on a motorcycle, and I don't know if it's just because it's harder to hide the unit on a motorcycle yeah, yeah. or not. Because on a car, it's pretty easy. It's it's very tough to disable a low jack system on a car because of these random locations that they place the system, and people don't know what to look for. Right. You know, the, the thieves don't know what to look for. So, um, I don't know. It's a great return rate, a recovery rate on these mm-hmm. things. Ninety percent. That's that's fantastic. Well, let's. We also have to point out one thing about these kind of statistics, and that is that many of the people who are boosting cars are amateurs. 
and they're on a joy ride. So the, naturally, the question for some of our listeners out there, you guys might think, oh, well, what about the car thieves who know what they're doing? Well, then, yes, sure. It's actually, I'm certain that there are some thieves who know enough about the LoJack system to find or disable it, but those are not the majority of car thieves. And I'm picturing a, a thief running like running a wand over a car, almost like a TSA <laughs> agent, you know, like with a, a metal detector or something. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's almost like that, like a you know detecting device. The but, radio uh, signal? Yeah, something like that, but uh, I know it's not like that. But, you know, with Lojax, they've got this, Lojax has this great relationship with the law enforcement agencies, you know, like the state police, and yep. of course they're in the computer, uh, the crime computer system, so, you know, this, this really, the system really pays for itself if if the vehicle's stolen, of course. I mean, all these systems pay for themselves if the vehicle's returned. Right, that's the risk. But also, uh, I'm glad you said it, LoJack is unique in another way in that, as you said, uh, it works closely with law enforcement inherently in the device. A lot of GPS trackers do not. That's correct, yep. And, you know, one quick thing before we move on, because I want I do want to get to those 2012 oh, numbers, yeah, yeah. or, or the, uh, the car theft numbers, I guess, in general. I'll start with 2011, go to 2012, but um, Lojack, I was kind of poking around on the Lojack site and, and figuring out what, you know, they had available, and, you know, trying to determine whether or not this motorcycle thing was really a, an issue or not. And um, one thing I came across, and I never really got to the bottom of the motorcycle thing, but okay. uh, one thing I came across was they are providing... Lojack systems now for mobile devices, electronic devices. And I don't know if that's anything brand new, but it was new to me. I had never so like heard of it. like an iPad? Yeah, any kind of mobile device. You can install software that can track your your iPad, your laptop, mm-hmm. your phone, whatever you want. And supposedly, and I, I talked to... Um, I talked to Jonathan about this, you know, from Tech Stuff. Yeah, it's Jonathan Strickland. I, I asked Jonathan about, um, you know, the the system and how it worked, and he was kind of confused by one thing, and, and I don't blame him one bit because this is a, a difficult thing to kind of mull over in your head, but you install the software on the device, and then even after they do a factory reset, somehow that signal is still sent out from that device. So they're able to track it even after they do a factory reset on it. So, you know, a lot of times when your laptop's stolen, they immediately wipe it of all clear of all information right. from the previous owner so they can sell it again, right? Yeah. You know, take it to a pawn shop or whatever they're going to do with it, sell it to somebody on the street. Well, apparently the tracking portion of the software still operates even after a factory reset. And I was asking Jonathan about it, and he was as confused by that as I am. It almost seems like there's a physical element to this, like something is, is being placed in the unit, but I, I can't see that happening. I just don't know how that works. Okay. But LoJack for laptops is apparently pretty popular because there's something like 26,000 laptops to date that have been, um, you know, have this system added to it. So you know, if you're out there stealing laptops, be wary of that because, uh, you know, <laughs> there's no way to get rid of the LoJack system in the laptop, you know, without being the owner of the laptop, I suppose. And, yeah, uh, hey, maybe think of a different lifestyle choice or occupation. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly right. And you know, it's kind of a cheap thing. I noticed that the contracts are like 40 bucks a, a year, mm-hmm. um, three years, 80 bucks, something like that. So, you know, if you've got a, a valuable computer, or you know a a, um, a laptop or a pad you know a mobile pad of some kind Lojack for you know mobile devices might be something you want to look into Get emotional with me Radhi Devlukia in my new podcast A Really Good Cry We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune into what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Yeah, especially for those of you who are running your own business, because we know that if you keep your, if you keep all your eggs in one basket or if you keep your record somewhere, you know, a lot of people don't trust the cloud, Scott. That's true. And uh, I don't blame you guys for not. If you keep your stuff there, you should strongly consider if you haven't a, some sort of security device to be able to retrieve that yeah, if it's and stolen. It, and it doesn't necessarily have to be Lojack. Cause I feel like no. we're doing, I feel like Ben, I feel like that we're doing commercial and I don't want it to feel that way. I'm just saying yeah. that this is the one that we're talking about cause we were focused on it for cars and they happen to have something for mobile mm-hmm. devices that was really cool. So we brought it up. Yeah. You know, look around. There's other services that offer similar, um, you know, software packages and things like that. Mm-hmm. You're know, tracking devices. And so now we, I think before we get to answering the question of the article, which is, is a tracking monitoring device worth the cost? I think first we should explore some statistics about stolen vehicles. Yeah, and I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this because, you know, statistics can be, you know, they can be kind of boring, I guess, especially if you're just listening to them, if you're not really looking at them and, and kind of comprehending them all together, able to look back and see the, the charts and graphs and everything that I can have in front of me here. But um, I'll tell you just a couple of key points here, and hopefully that will keep you interested because um, the 2012 numbers, there's some really interesting stuff in that. And we're going to get to that quickly, I promise. Now, I think I mentioned that, you know, the the, uh, the number of cars stolen in 2011. Now, these are coming from the FBI, mm-hmm. uh, from something called the Uniform Crime Report. And, uh, you know, it's tough to find current numbers on this stuff, but I was able to find 2012 numbers, and they were just recently re- released. I That's mean, about as current as you can get yeah, is the year after. Yeah, they come out, and uh, I think they arrived in a, a press release in something like late August of this year. So um, you can see how you have to kind of wait almost a full year to get the prior year's numbers. Yeah, but in your defense, in terms of statistics, that's that's like piping hot out of the oven. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're pretty quick. So, um, all right, 2011. 715,373 motor vehicles were repo- reported stolen in the United States. That's a huge number of cars, mm-hmm. right? Well, and we mentioned that that amounts to something like more than $4.3 billion, and that's a car that is being stolen every 44 seconds. So that's ridiculously fast. I mean, it's amazingly quick. And, you know, the, one of the things that I found out when I was looking at the uh, the laptop information, the mobile device information, yeah. I think there's something like a, a, a laptop is stolen every 50 seconds in the United States. It's something ridiculously quick like that. So the numbers kind of match up with auto theft and uh-huh. mobile device theft, and that's why they got into it. Oh, and one thing before we go on, mm-hmm. uh, the there's a little bit of tricky language there with reported stolen. So reading between the lines, we do have to assume there's a little bit of variance. There are people who don't report a stolen vehicle for one reason or another, and there are people who accidentally report a stolen vehicle like uh maybe maybe your kid got a little hot-blooded and didn't think that dad would be home by five on saturday sure and then the kid comes rolling in at uh you know 7 30 with the porsche exactly yeah and uh you know crisis averted right well sort of well new crisis because that kid is grounded not for the kid yeah yeah but so anyway with there might be a little bit of variance in these numbers but the point is uh that we think seven hundred fifteen thousand is no matter how you slice it, it's still over 700,000. That's an awful lot of cars. And it turns out that, you know, it does matter where you live for a car theft. And, and that won't surprise anybody either. I mean, of mm-hmm. course, urban areas, you know, the, the places where there's a, a heavy concentration, a, a, you know, a large population. In, ter- in fact, uh, you know, 
cities that have populations that, you know, are above 100,000. There's something like 380 metro areas in the United States that have populations above 100,000. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of you know, regions, a lot of areas that have these dense populations. And it turns out that it, a lot of these are from California. The, the, the top 10 areas that, for auto theft, I guess, in 2012, Mm-hmm. Now, we've actually jumped into 2012, but that was 2011 for this one. But 2012, California is eight out of the top ten spots in these cities in California. That's Modesto, Fresno, Bakersfield, Stockton, uh, Yakima, Washington. Oh, Washington. I'm sorry. Washington pops in there as well. Washington is two out of ten, by the way. Oh, wait. So all ten are in California or Washington? California or huh? Washington. So they're all West Coast states. And um, it turns out that port and border cities are, they say they're just boom towns for auto theft because those are the cities that are easy to, you know, boost a car, like you said, mm. throw it into a crate and ship it overseas if you want to. Or, um, you know, border towns where it's easy enough just to drive across the border and, and the car disappears. It's gone forever, really, because, you yeah. know, there's a lot of uh, trouble with um uh, they're, and they're better about it, I know, because I read true crime books and I find out about, you know, how agencies didn't really work together even across county lines. And then right. state lines are another problem. And then and then national lines, you know, like between different countries, that's a huge problem for them, or it was. Right, yeah. It's getting better. But it turns out that, you know, border towns for auto theft are still a big deal because it's easy enough just to drive it right across the border and, and that's it. Mm-hmm. So, so port towns, border cities, those are, those are big areas for theft. So places like San Francisco and San Jose and, uh, you know, Spokane, Washington, Redding, California, places like that, high concentrations of auto theft. And another thing that came out of these numbers, and I, I promise I'm going to get through this quickly because it sounds like I'm just rambling no, on. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated. It turns out that auto buying habits of a certain area, a region, are reflected in the, the way that, um, auto thieves take vehicles as well, and the preferences of auto thieves. Wait, okay. Uh, now, is this? Can I make a guess? Sure. Is this something like the most pot? Is is this something like what we found out in chop shops, which is that uh, the most popular or best selling car of a certain year can often end up becoming one of the most stolen? Well, it's it's that, and but it's more elementary than that, even Ben. It's, okay. it's that in in Detroit. You're going to find a lot of American-made cars, right? In Chicago, uh-huh. you're going to find a lot of American-made cars. That's what the thieves go after in those cities. You'll find that you know the Hondas and Acuras and, and Civics, they don't, they aren't stolen as often in Detroit and Chicago as are, let's say, a Chevy Impala or a Ford pickup truck. Huh. So okay. that makes sense, right? I mean, it yeah. seems like whatever's available or what's there in the region is what you go for. So let's say that like Phoenix or Houston, you know, you're going to find a lot of the Japanese model cars that are stolen. And, you know, the same thing in Los Angeles, you know, they're mm. going to be a lot of okay. more, a lot more imports that are stolen versus American made cars because you're going to find that on the streets more often. Okay. Yeah. I see what so, you're you know, I, I think once you really think about these things and it's just simple, Simple logic, really, mm-hmm. when you get to it. Now, we're on to the 2012 um, absolute theft numbers, and, and there's something in here that really struck me as, as just incredible. All right, man, um, blow my mind. All right, well, first I need to kind of lead into it in that you know this is uh, reversing an eight-year trend in 2012, and I told you there is this trend that's being reversed mm-hmm. here. In 2012, there were, there were 1.3% more vehicle thefts than there were in 2011, and that is reversing this trend that was eight years prior that it was always going the, – the number of thefts was going down, down, down in the United States. And now they're going up. They're going up, but just by 1.3%. And I guess the West Coast, which we talked about, you know, the Washington, California thing, yeah. that's, that's entirely responsible for it. Um, everywhere else, the numbers are way down. They're just up on the West Coast of the United States. So you'll find that in 2012, there were roughly, and they, they've had to estimate these just a little bit even now for the 2012 okay. numbers, 724,672 thefts. Um, so that's actual thefts. That's not just reported stolen. That's, okay. that's actual thefts. 600, I'm sorry, 724,672. Now, would you care to take a guess at the year... And how many vehicles were stolen? This is the amazing fact, by the way. At the year and how many sto- vehicles were stolen in the top year, I guess, for U.S. auto theft? Uh, 800,000. Nope. How many? It's even higher than that, Ben. It goes all the way back to 1991 when there were 1,661,738 thefts. In, oh. In 1991. Ah, uh-huh. crap. You're right, because I... 
I remember we had a high reported deaths number in 91, but I didn't know the now, exact number. Now, that is, that, that's a long time ago, first of all. Um, yeah. That is, uh, what, that's 20, that's 22 years ago at this point. Ooh. Right? And, yeah. uh, is that right? 22 years ago. Mm-hmm. And the number is more than double the amount of cars that were stolen this year alone. So that gives you an idea of the epidemic that was going on in 1991. I just don't understand what was why. happening. Yeah. I have no idea. I don't know why 1991 was such a there was such a high rate of theft. Um, I don't. It's kind of interesting stuff that that came out of these numbers. And I did find. Um, man, you know what? I'm going to have to look for this. Just oh, here you know. You know what? We talked about vehicle theft that kind of corresponding to the amount of cars made and you know the, sure. the best selling cars and the prevalence of those yeah yeah this will this maybe will surprise you because in 2012 the most stolen cars now i don't think it maybe it won't surprise you ben but the honda accord and honda civic are number 1 and 2 and the ford pickup is number 3 and of course ford pickup is always the number 1 seller here in the united states yeah. and you know the the accord and civic do very very well they sell a lot of cars and they also get uh they they've been the number 1 and number 2 uh, most stolen car for a few years. But the, but the surprising part about this, Ben, is that you'll find that the 1996 Honda Accord is the top stolen car in 2012. So it goes all the way back 16 years. Huh. So 1996 Honda Accord is the number one stolen car in 2012. In fact, the Honda, the Accord and Civic models from different years from 1990 to 2000, I believe, they make up the top 16 spots on the, on the entire list of cars stolen in 2012. We just gave people driving a mid-90s Honda the shivers. I hope so. You know, maybe they'll think about picking up a track and a recovery system because um, for, for it to make up the top, you know, tw- I think it was 16 spots yeah. um, on this list. And, you know, of course, they do it by, you know, Accord, like Accord, all of the Accords stolen total something like 60,000 and mm-hmm. all of the Civics are 47,000. And then the years make up individual units of that, you know, like maybe right. 8,000 1996 Accords were stolen. Wow. Um, so, you know, it's really... And you find that newer Hondas are rarely stolen. So that's why the numbers kind of stop around 2000. These newer Hondas, they have immobilizer devices, which are our number three mm-hmm. line of defense, according to the NICB. Um, they say that because these anti-theft technology devices, these immobilizer devices, the, the, um, you know, the, not tracking so much, but, you know, the, the warning LEDs and things like that. Right. They prevent theft just enough that it makes them, uh, not inaccessible, but, you know, Theft, uh, thieves choose to go for another vehicle. Yeah, there are more attractive options. Exactly. So, you know, that's just some of that stuff. And if you if you go over the, the FBI numbers, if you go over the NICB numbers, you're going to find a lot of really interesting side notes on stuff mm-hmm. like that. You know, like why why aren't current, you know, model Hondas stolen more often? Yeah. And uh, this leads us to our question that I want to put to you for the close of our show today. Scott. Scott, 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 is a tracking and recovery device worth it? Two parts to this question. First, for your car specifically, then for a car in general. My car specifically, I'm going to say no on my car. My car's getting to the age where, you know, it's like I'm kind of wishy-washy about do Mm -hmm. I want to keep it, do I want to let it go. Mm -hmm. I haven't ever had a car stolen, but you can't really say that because that's kind of Murphy's Law thing, right? That's going to happen. But um, I I just don't know if I place a value on my car enough that I want to install a $700 system and then have an additional thing to worry about, you know, whether it's operating or not. I just, I'm fine with it the way it is. And I, I feel yeah. like the neighborhood that I'm in is safe enough. I, I keep it, I protect it. I, I use common sense, mm-hmm. lock the car up at night. You know, there's a warning device on it, an LED that flashes. Sure. As um, someone who's tried to break into your car several times, that is true. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, what? <laughs> what? So, yeah, I'm careful about it. And, uh, you know, I, I think for my car specifically, no. But, you know, if you if you have a car that, you know, you value mm-hmm. and you, I mean, not that I don't value my car. It's just that, you you know, I I could take it or leave it at this point, Ben. I don't know. That's kind of cold to say it that way. But you know, if it were stolen, I you know I'll have them look for it. But you know, maybe it's, maybe it's time to upgrade. Yeah, maybe it's time just to drive the Newport. <laughs> Does that sound terrible? I mean, no, it doesn't. But it doesn't. Also, you know, if you had a if you had a clunker or something, you know, but, yeah. but let's say let's say that you had a uh, car that was like my neighbor's car that that Model T that was his father's. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. The Model A that was his father's. I okay. Now we're getting. This is a little bit of a different case because now we're getting into the old debate about keeping a car original 
or doing some mod. Yeah, but you know, it's something like that you could hide. I'm sure that you could hide a LoJack system in a Model A somewhere. Yeah, and maybe just it. find some way to attach it that doesn't require messing with the actual car. And, and see, that's a car that if you're if you're out that particular car, it's not like you're going to go get another Model A to replace that. Sure, right. you can. But it was his father's car, and there's there's great interest in keeping that car in the family, and wants to wants to wants it to remain right where it is. I mean, forget seven hundred dollars; that would be worth double that. That'd be worth fourteen hundred. Yeah, I mean, a year. Yeah. I don't know. I know. I don't know. But um, you know, he he takes good care of it. It's locked up and everything. Also, you know, it's it's mm-hmm. well well kept. It's just you know, I would hate to see something happen to that car. That's and I know that he would. Mm. And that's, you know, I'm part I'm partially on board with that too. From my response to that question, I would say for a car in general, it's it's a very good idea. I'm risk adverse with this sort of stuff. I would I would rather pay uh, for monthly service or a hefty one-time fee just to have the peace of mind that it could happen. Uh if I owned a car different from the one I own now, which does not have a tracking device, because Monte Carlos are not the uh, not the prettiest pig at the fair. Well, but you love your car, right? I love it. Yeah, man. I, that car and I have been through a lot together, me and Monty. And uh, I don't, not only do I not think someone would steal it, but I think that if they did steal it, they might say, oh... They might look at the inside of the car and, and say, oh, man, this guy's been through enough. Let me just park this. Let's just bring it back. Yeah, we'll just bring yeah. it back with a note, maybe a sandwich. But see, if you had asked me the same question maybe three years ago, yeah, um, you know, just knock three years off of the off of the, the life of the car, I guess, you know, yeah. and the way it's it's operating now and things that are starting to go bad and you know, wear out and things. Three years ago, I probably would have said, of course I want a, Absolutely. a, a tracking system. You know what? I bet you that a few years back I would have said the same thing. Now, there's a very interesting wrinkle to this, and this is a note that's good for us to end the show on, and that wrinkle is that these are increasingly becoming pre-installed. So, for instance, if you have a kid who's um, maybe 10 now and they're going to be driving in six years or something like that, then by the time they're driving, the new cars coming out that year um, will more than likely already have something like this pre-installed what what I'm saying is, my prediction is that in a few years, at least in the states, uh, this is going to be kind of a moot question because it's already going to be part of the price of a car. Sure, it's going to be uh, like a trickle down technology thing where it's almost like power windows and power locks and all that other stuff exactly. that we talked about. Yeah, right? great Cru- comparison. Cruise control yep. and all that, right? It's just going to happen where you know, it, well, of course, we install that type of stuff. We have the immobilizer key and we have the tracking device. Mm-hmm. Every car is going to have it. It's not even an option. It's a standard feature, right? Yes. I think that's going to happen, too. And with that, I think it's time for us to just uh, close on a pretty cool note. I've got a little bit of listener mail. All right. Sounds good. All right, Scott. Now, don't feel like it did the bait and switch on you, but this actually comes from Twitter. Hmm. Okay. That's not listener mail. Are we cool? Ah, we're still cool. Okay. It's like a listener tweet. Um, all right, so our longtime listening friend, uh, Tom Holland on Twitter, weighed in to say that uh, he enjoyed our podcast on renting an exotic car. Very good. However, he said that we forgot to mention that there are some age requirements, increasingly restrictive age requirements, depending on the level of the car. Oh, I had no idea. At least, now Tom's in the UK. So he said that uh, in the United Kingdom, for instance, you can't just be, you know, 17 and rent a Bugatti. Yeah. And that makes sense because in the United States, we know that you can't rent a car when you're 16. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so we haven't checked into that, but that is an important addendum for us to acknowledge for any any of the youngins in the crowd you know, saving up as they run. I think we mentioned that, you know, maybe we weren't sure about the ages because we said it's kind of like you're signing a legal contract. Yes. And I wasn't sure that, it, you know, it was 18 was the requirement or if it's 21 was the requirement, mm-hmm. whatever the legal age would be. But, um, yeah, that's a very good point. I, I hadn't really looked into the age restrictions on the type of vehicle. So there's probably a sliding scale, right? Yeah. And my answer to Tom on uh, on the net was, that I'm certain that is true in the United States, at least partially, uh, as to whether there are any specific laws restricting that. Mm-hmm. I don't think those laws are granular to the point of restricting based on a model of a vehicle or a category. 
but these companies that are renting these vehicles are private companies, so they, in all likelihood, do set their own laws that way. I mean, no matter how you slice it, you don't want a new driver behind the wheel of a supercar. No, no, you're going to hand your keys to uh, you know these this fleet of Ferraris over to a 17 year old. That's not a very wise decision uh, for any businessman to make, right? Yeah, you don't want that Ferris Bueller moment. Well, Tom, that's a great catch. So thanks for writing in and or tweeting in or however mm-hmm. you want to put it, I guess. But uh, thank thanks for catching that, Tom. We appreciate it. Yeah, and uh, if you would like to contact us on Twitter, we are on the internet as Car Stuff HSW. Oh, but. Wait, there's more. We're also on the on the Facebooks as Car Stuff HSW. We have our very own website, CarStuffShow.com, where you can uh, check out other podcasts uh, and listen to them right there on the website. You can see some uh, videos that Scott has narrated. You can check out our blog, or you know, if you don't like the whole social media rigmarole, the whole song and dance. Then you can send Scott and I a topic suggestion or pictures of your car or, you know, whatever, at our email address. Yeah, which is carstuff at discovery.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.